Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network. Featuring Starship Sofa, Tales to Terrify, Crime City Central, and Protecting Project Pulp. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number 130. I'm your host, Nicholas Heaton Clark, and before we get started, I'd like to talk about our new cover art, you may have noticed. It's a work by Gabriel Barbabianca, titled Mystery. Gabriel lives in Barcelona with his family. He loves art and he loves all types of fantasy, and so he tries to serve both at the same time. We hope you enjoy it. And without further ado... Let us begin. We start off this week with a tale of the Rose Knights called Florence de Lattre, written by Jay Lake and Ruth Nestwold, and originally published at DailyScienceFiction.com. Jay lived in Portland, Oregon until his death in 2014, shortly before his 50th birthday. His books include Kalimpura from Tor and Love in the Time of Metal and Flesh from Prime. His short fiction appeared regularly in literary and genre markets worldwide. He was a winner of the John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer and a multiple nominee for the Hugo and World Fantasy Awards. In 2015, he posthumously received the Locus Award for his collection Last Plane to Heaven. Ruth has published widely in science fiction and fantasy, her fiction appearing in such markets as Asimov's and F and SF. Her work has been nominated for the Nebula, Tiptree and Sturgeon Awards. In 2007, the Italian translation of her novella Looking Through Lace won the Premio Italia Award for Best International Work. Jay and Ruth's collection of short stories, Almost All the Way Home from the Stars, is available at Amazon and via iTunes. This Tale of the Rose Knights is read by Catherine Logan. Catherine had many years of training in theatre and voice in her youth, and then many years of teaching acting, drama, writing and English literature as a grown-up. She's taken plenty of workshops and has studio experience in narration, commercial and animation voiceover work. Catherine is now involved in a second career which takes her back to her first love. And now, Florence Delatre. 
She was just a girl in the armies of the sun, Florence de Latre. She would have been ordinary, save that her skin was a shade almost mauve, causing the military doctors no end of distress, solved only by dread incantations of dermatitis pigmentosa and much jabbing of needles. And she always smelled faintly of flowers. Roses, to be precise. Despite her name, Florence de Latre was English. Despite her country, she spoke German like a native. Despite her languages, she served in the armies of the sun. Those thin-spread defenders of reason and human purity in a world gone to moonlight and lovers howling in midnight gardens. It had been true once that people walk the earth under both daylight and starlight, with traffic signals and street lamps to guide their way amid the armor of ordinariness. But this was no more, as any child could tell, that had not been stolen by Bogarts or perhaps Fayshot. The weapons of the armies of the moon were no less terrible than those of the sun, just different. Florence believed in one thing with a passion, the perfectibility of purpose. It was a strange passion, but since her first halting steps beneath the pear tree in the garden of her birth, Florence had always craved a higher purpose, a great work in her life. When she grew old enough to understand why decent folk barred their doors at dusk and hung their armored shutters with silver and garlic, she knew she would find her great work in the armies of the sun. Her father had been a war planner for the forces of reason, her mother a logician, who had ceaselessly wept from a broken heart. But that is a different story. And so she grew up and fused with and strengthened in this purpose. If only she had not been such a sweet rose, Florence de Latra, the silver-eyed servants of the brilliant night might never have come for her. They were tall and silver-skinned, moving as if they had too many joints in their limbs, though when they paused, frozen like a butterfly on a pin, she could not have counted more than one elbow or knee in its proper place. Their eyes were narrow and gleamed like thorns. Come with us, they whispered in a single shared voice, cercerating like wind over a frozen lake. No, she said, trying to fight her way clear of the web of dream. Everything reeked of roses, and her mother's distant sobbing echoed even from an old, weed-grown grave. The servants gathered her up and stepped through the doors of spirit to a place that was white as bone and warm as breast milk. The moon waited there, lounging on an ormolu throne, eating pickled eggs. So, child, said the mistress of the night armies, you have come home. Florence struggled. Though no hands held her, she could not walk away, nor raise her arms to strike. I serve reason in the armies of the sun. The moon laughed. <laughs> Listen, you are different. 
beauty beyond reason, that their doctors hate, smelling of life. You are one of us, changeling in reverse, misborn into the houses of the sun. Night fire is your fire. Do you not feel its call? No, Florence shouted. This is not my great work. Ask yourself this. Why did your mother always cry? For that, Florence had no answer. It is not the role of soldiers to win wars or lose them. They fight when told and die when told. Commanders and politicians declare victory and go home. The Mauve Knight was a little warrior in the greatest war since the snake and the angel fought over windfall fruit in the garden at the morning of the world. She was misborn, a woman whose greatest parts were unknown even to herself, until a choice was thrust upon her. Did she follow the moon's chantry into the hidden corridors of the heart? Did she return to the sun and fight the good fight of sweet reason? I cannot say. Her choices were her own, elastic as a kiss, bittersweet as love. Perhaps the Mauve Knight's great work was to dwell in both houses and so end the war as an ambassador to herself. Or perhaps, like her mother before her, she cried each night. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Our feature story for the week is Diamond Eyes by Doug C. Souza. Doug has always had a love for the art of storytelling. His favorite genres are science fiction and fantasy, but he enjoys a good yarn of any variety. 
His story Mountain Screamers was published in Asimov's science fiction magazine and later featured on our very own Starship Sofa. Other works have appeared in numerous anthologies and e-zines. As a member of the local writers' meet-up group, he helps aspiring writers find their voice and possibly a paycheck for their work. Doug teaches fourth grade in Modesta, California, where he lives with his wonderful wife and main reader and editor, Nicole. Doug's story is read by Anthony Babington, a voice in the Internet's head who looks almost but not quite exactly how you expect him to. Having escaped from the sinister forces of Texas, he has retreated to an ingeniously disguised bunker in a secure, undisclosed location in Burnsville, Minnesota. His life goal is to someday annoy Norm Sherman into letting him voice a part on Escape Pod, but until then, he'd be happy to voice a project for you. Yes, you in the checked shirt. And now, Diamond Eyes by Doug C. Souza. Savler's scales itched with trepidation as his foreclaws crossed into troll territory. Thick brush and giant oaks engulfed the trail. Dead leaves crunched under his heavy feet. He yearned to look back at his father for reassurance, but knew it would defeat the purpose of his taking the lead. This is your endeavor, his father had said as they had left the borderlands. You march in front. I'm of a lower class now. Savlo couldn't believe it was less than a month since the change. So much was different. His once sinewy limbs now bulged with muscle, his scales packed like slate. Patches of mist condensed the farther they went in, smelling more like a bog and less like a forest. The incessant chirruping overhead softened, and then ceased altogether. That's far enough, a voice rumbled through the dense foliage. A troll crept from the filtered shadows. His leggings, tattered and frayed at the cuffs, held scabbards for many digging tools. A pick, a trowel, numerous spikes. A simple leather tunic covered his torso, stopping just above the troll's thighs. Treading cautiously, he peered at Savlo and his father. He crossed his arms and grunted. Savlo stopped. Five, ten, and then sixteen trolls emerged. Invisible just seconds ago, the throng stood at attention. Beefy hands rested on spears and waist knives. Two dragons, is that all?' the lead troll asked. Though a giant among his peers, his bulky head barely reached Savlo's knee. Nonetheless, he sneered up at the dragon undaunted. Savlo waited several heartbeats for his father to speak, and then remembered he was now the one that needed to answer the troll. "'I am of a higher class now,' he reluctantly reminded himself. "'Yes, chieftain,' Savlo coughed. "'It is just the two of us.' "'Chieftain!' The lead troll gave a bemused cough. A chorus of chuckles. "'Leave it to a dragon. You intrude upon our land without announcement. Your ignorance only demonstrates the lack of respect you have for our ways. Hold those knives at the ready, chiddlers. Seems we have a dragon spitting insults.' Beady eyes glared at Savlo and his father. Calling one a chieftain is hardly an insult. Savlo fought hard to keep his tone neutral. I may not be trained in the arts of diplomacy, to say the least. But I warn you that a move against us will have grave consequences. The lead troll drew his spear and launched it towards Savlo. 
It landed an arm's length away. Grave consequences, the lead troll mocked. Yes, we understand. Not only would vengeance be sought on us, but our families as well, probably the entire tribe. All because we nicked a dragon. This was a mistake, Savlo turned to his father. Yes, the lead troll barked. Return to your grand palaces and treasures. Bask in the glory of being lordly. He pranced around clumsily, followed by a delicate bow. We have fields to toil, for if we don't, our families will face grave consequences. Savlo reared a step back. A low growl escaped his throat. If the lead troll was affected, he didn't show it. Instead, he scoffed and turned on his heel. The other trolls stepped back warily and started disappearing into the woods. Wait! Savlo's father commanded. In a blink, he jumped on the lead troll, holding him to the ground. His sharp talons fell short of piercing the troll's neck. You will provide us with an audience. The lead troll struggled, but it was no use under the dragon's fierce grip. His father's wiry frame did not hold the same intimidating countenance as Savlo's, but the fire in his eyes spoke clearly. The other trolls closed in, weapons drawn. Anxious, Savlo's eyes darted across each troll, sensing their apprehension. The lead troll gestured quickly for them to hold back. Speak your peace. He spat the words, this time with a hint of respect. Savlo's father didn't relent. He turned to his son and said, Tell them. Savlo frantically gathered his thoughts. He settled for the simple truth. I am Earthborn. The lead troll gazed at Savlo disbelievingly, as did the surrounding trolls. All awaited an explanation for the bizarre proclamation. Savlo's father slowly released the lead troll. My father sold all we had so my name could be placed in the lottery. Savlo continued. Do you know of the lottery? Savlo's father interrupted. The lead troll nodded. Yes, the mystical casting of the elements upon warrior dragons. But Earthborn? It's not possible. Possible, but never sought, Savlo corrected. Of course, the lead troll confirmed, standing and clearing debris from his hairy arms. Why be cast of such a meager and useless element like Earth when fire, water, and wind are available? He said the words meager and useless in a sardonic tone. For centuries, warrior dragons were born of fire, water, or wind, never earth. Only trolls and other lowly creatures lived their feeble lives paired with dirt. A dragon was above such an existence. Hundreds of dragons pay a hefty tribute to have their name drawn as one of the seven. The only seven who will choose their element and join the ranks of the royal guard. Savlo waited while the trolls contemplated this. He then added, Not... Only had I received the fortune of being one of the seven, but I was also the first to choose. And you chose to be cast Earthborn? A soldier troll blurted out. The lead troll turned and thrashed him with the base of his spear. The smaller troll quickly stepped back into line. Savlo sighed. He knew his next few words had to be spoken carefully. He was already bordering on insult. I requested to be Fireborn as is common among the first to choose. And? the lead troll asked. A trick, 
a ploy, a bribe, no one truly knows. Perhaps they never will. Glyffer, the dragon sorcerer, cast me as Earthborn. Savlos stopped his story to demonstrate the effect on his form, how his forelegs were bulkier than his father's, how he had wings far too thick with hide and sparse webbing to make flight possible. He pointed out how his scales had become cumbersome and gritty. He claimed it was an accident, that he misunderstood my request. Some misunderstanding, the lead troll said as he circled Savlo. He tapped the scales at the tip of his spear. The metal tip clicked as though tapping rock. Many believe that the Score clan was behind the bribe, Savlo said. The troll shrugged, and he explained. You see, my father is a laborer, as am I. It wasn't only his wages that were spent. Many within our labor class gave small tributes to have my name put in the lottery. Having me cast Earthborn sent a message. No matter how much we pay for tribute, or how fortune smiles upon us to have our name pulled for one of the seven, we are to stay in our place. For all to witness, the lead troll reflected. Savlo's father said, It's no coincidence to me why Savlo was first. No talons, a different soldier troll commented. Claws instead. Savlo unsheathed the small scythes. Instead of lanky talons, he had spur-like claws. During the change, I felt everything. My bones altered, growing like tree trunks under my skin. My legs drew inward as my back grew heavy under the new weight. The trolls nodded as if they understood. Savla realized they saw him the same, a visage of a troll, the aura of one who knows hard labor and suffering. A majestic beast among them, but a pariah among his own kind. The contests! The lead troll snapped. That's why you're here. He turned to the other trolls. And here I thought you were looking to join our lowly ranks. Perhaps I should be chieftain. I am so clever. A hesitant laugh drifted through the forest. Savlo and his father nodded, but the other trolls looked to one another confused. The lead troll explained. Each year, when the elemental gifts are bestowed, they hold a tournament among the elemental warriors. A show of strength. He shoved the nearest troll. The final strike, Savlo muttered. How so? The lead troll cocked his head. After the first rounds of battle, each element will have a champion crown. But the contest does not end there. Fire will have a champion among that clan. Water will, as will wind. Most champions are veterans, masters of their element. It isn't until after each element is deemed a champion that the final bout is carried out. But not this year, the lead troll noted, obviously proud of his foresight. This year will be fire, water, wind, and you, earth. To the death? Another troll asked. He was quickly reprimanded with a pounding on his helmet. To the death? The lead troll repeated. Death is rare, but it has happened, Savlo's father said sourly. And you wish to have us teach you about being Earthborn, the lead troll pointed out. That's why we've come, not to invade, as you thought, but to seek your help. Enough so that I can survive the contest, Savlo said. A murmur among the troops filled the forest air. 
No words could be made out, but the tone was clear. Savlo understood they didn't want to aid a dragon in any way, even a sad lot like him. Then let's go, the lead troll suddenly announced. This way. He gestured for the other trolls to follow. Where to? Savlo asked. He hurried to catch up. We'll be needing to run this by the chieftain, called the lead troll. I'm just a measly pack leader. The route took them off trail, farther into the patches of mist. The chieftain looked as though he had just woken up. He leaned back against the stone throne, resting his feet on a granite ottoman. If he had any interest in Savlo's story, he didn't show it. The only indication he wasn't slumbering was the occasional nod. A mere spider creeping across the floor distracted him. Occasionally, he'd exhale a heavy sigh. Savlo couldn't tell if the chieftain was bored or annoyed. Like the troop, his attire was worn and disheveled. This surprised Savlo. Usually, leaders are kept to a higher standard of elegance. Several moments passed after Savlo completed his tale. No troll dared speak. Muffled noises from outside activity were the only sound. He turned to his father with a questioning look. His father shrugged, but didn't make any gesture otherwise. A coarse laugh erupted from the chieftain. Dragons! The most conniving, backstabbing, corrupted creatures in nature. You strong-arm all others with politics. You've mastered levels of magic beyond all reason, and keep the secrets to yourselves. A pinch of your sorcery could save lives for many lowly creatures. But you claim we'd become corrupted. While we suffer, only dragons retain any useful skills. The royal party spread throughout the keep chuckled softly, showing support for their majesty, but remembering there were two deadly beasts present. The royal guards stood at the ready. The lead troll and his troop remained at the foot of the cackling chieftain's throne. The chieftain wiped away tears, continuing his tirade. Oh, your glorious leaders must have scattered frightfully when a laborer was granted a casting of the elements, he roared. Of course they bribed the sorcerer dragon. And it probably didn't take much. Let me guess. There was a brief upheaval among the laboring class that was quickly squelched by the authorities, and the upper class waved it away. The surrounding trolls joined in the comical onslaught, although it was clear most didn't comprehend the joke. Well, the chieftain began. Savlo, is it? Yes, his voice a whisper. Welcome to our world. Something of a heartbreak, isn't it? And don't bother with the threat there'll be consequences. I doubt the aristocrats who cast you earthborn would truly care if you went missing. It's clear they've doused your fire. Oh, wait, that's right, you were never granted fire. Savlo's father huffed heavily, rearing to attack. No, Savlo said. We leave. He turned away from the chieftain and made for the exit. His father's eyes showed a fury that scared Savlo. Father! he cried, placing his much larger foreleg between him and the chieftain. We leave! Hold on, hold on! The chieftain composed himself, dropped from his throne, and rushed towards Savlo. You didn't let me finish! I don't think that's a good idea, Savlo warned. Oh, but it is he insisted. 
You must understand. There is something far more amusing than your dilemma. The chieftain turned back to his throne and grabbed an earthenware bowl. Savlo waited. The chieftain took a loud and lengthy sip of the ale and sighed. Savlo shifted his weight, waiting. The chieftain waved away the dismissive look. Our ancestors taught us that such opportunities do not present themselves often. Something that takes on the mask of a joke may indeed be something else entirely. The chieftain handed the bowl to an attendant, wiped his mouth. No earthborn for centuries, you say? No, Savlo answered. Then it's all a dream, a concoction set upon you by your betters. I say we embrace the dream. Do you follow my gist? I'm talking wholeheartedly embracing it. I don't follow, Savlo admitted. Wholeheartedly? I know what the words mean, but I don't know what you're saying. The chieftain paused and then announced, Not only are you going to survive, you're going to win. You're mad, Savlo spoke under his breath. Imagine it. The prissy dragons undone by their own machinations. Oh, they're so clever, but they underestimated you. You'll help, then? Savlo asked, a new energy creeping across his scales. Yes, the chieftain nodded. How long until this contest of yours? First they have the battles among the individual elements. That takes several days. Then they have a break for the champions to recover and train. Um, a moon's time, give or take? Should be enough. He turned and examined the crowd of trolls. Rockfell! Ah, there you are. The pack leader from earlier stepped forward. Yes, chieftain? You brought him here. He's your responsibility. Uh, uh what do you mean? Rockfell stammered. Show Savlo everything. The chieftain counted off his meaty fingers. Minerals. Lumber, soil, sediments, magma. Savlo tried to listen, but the murmuring voices had grown into shouting debates. The only trolls remaining quiet were those patting poor Ruckfell on the back. The lead troll pleaded with the chieftain, but to no avail. A fortnight into their training, Savlo's kind made their first appearance. He and Ruckfell were studying different veins of ore within a fractured cliff wall. Squinting upward, he suspected it was his father drifting across the sky. What is it? Ruckfell asked. Savlo nodded toward the clouds. Up there. Dragon eyes, the troll commented. Remember, I can't see such distances. It's another dragon. Savlo examined the sky closer. Three others appeared. They drifted in wide circles. Their svelte frames were a reminder of the grace dragons possessed. It was bound to happen. What's that? Word getting out. Dragon spies. Why would they care? Savlo asked. Ruckfell watched the sky alongside Savlo. The dragons came closer, their shadows racing across the ground. Did you ever get the feeling there's more going on than you're privy to? Ever since the change. 
Let's head to the caves. What about them? He nodded at their audience in the sky. We'll come out later and review some basic fighting moves. Let them report how simple you are. The dragons dipped even closer, completely disregarding Discovery. Savlo did his best to ignore the watchful eyes at his back as he followed Ruckfell into the caverns. He had learned that Ruckfell was highly admired among the trolls. Recently he learned why. Ruckfell's cleverness was only outmatched by his sheer determination. A week into their training, he'd insisted that Savlo only speak in terms of success when they made reference to the looming contest. The troll had even banished contact with outsiders and came to blows with any onlookers who mocked their endeavor. Savlo also learned that Ruckfell was well-versed in magic. His understanding paled in comparison to the dragon sorcerers, nor could he cast a spell. But he had a strong grasp of the basics. Sacrifice, Ruckfell said one night as they rested after a grueling day. It's what our limited records tell us is the secret. The campfire flickered in the dark forest. Shadows danced across the lingering mist. Savlo reflected on the harsh regimen Ruckfell had put him through that day. I thought you called it discipline. The training is discipline. Sacrifice is different. It's what truly strengthens your essence, the magic within you. You've lost me. Ruckfell coughed a laugh. Perhaps I shouldn't have said anything. I hardly understand it myself. My heart tells me you will face it in the contest, that we can't completely prepare with sparring and mineral training. It will happen when you're pushed beyond all limits. The reality had struck a chord with Savlo. The idea that all the work he had done, everything he had learned, may not be enough. The real challenge remained within the contest. Ruckfell continued. Think of all the precious metals and stones, those that have to be mined. The rare gifts forged by the gods. On the other hand, we have an abundance of common ore. All we have to do is dig it from the ground, smelt it, and we can create weapons. But rubies are forged by methods beyond our understanding. And yet, they exist. Meaning? Meaning there's a way to match it. But it won't come from up here. Ruckfell pointed to his head. It'll come from here. He pointed to his heart. Savlo sighed heavily that night and remained quiet, staring at the flames. He'd been proud of the training they had carried out to that point. He woke early each day and finished late, but the troll sent to guide him had made it sound like it wouldn't be enough. Ruckfell interrupted his reverie. Savlo, my regrets. I didn't mean to discourage you. The troll disappeared and returned lugging a boulder half his size. He heaved it into the fire. Cinders crackled and shot into the air as the fire settled. Look at that stone. It's burning, but it won't yield to the flame. In the morning, it'll be charred, but it will remain whole. Ruckfell wrapped Savlo on the head. Don't worry, Earthborn. You're just as hard-headed. Jahar waited outside the chieftain's chambers. Several times the elven spy lifted a hand to knock, only to pull it away. The final contest between the dragon warriors had replayed in his mind the entire trek into troll territory. 
Each time he formulated a different approach for delivering his report, as the chieftain requested of him. Each rephrasing felt worse than the previous. He pulled at his shirt cuffs, untucked and retucked his camisole, making sure the seams lined up perfectly. Next he sought out and removed every unwelcome bit of lint. Enough, he muttered, and knocked gently on the door. Enter, the chieftain's voice called from within. Jahar's padded soles made no sound as he tread into the room. He shut the heavy door with a whisper of sound. The chieftain stood near the window, picking at a crevice in the windowsill. Jahar, he said, I expected you some time ago. Jahar felt out of place among the troll's chambers. The dusty, unkempt room contrasted the elves' elegant aura. I would like to begin by sharing my deepest regrets for what has transpired, he bowed. Pay it no mind. He turned and spread his bulky frame across the couch, staring at the ceiling, his eyes absent of the fire Jahar was used to. As you know, I am aware of what happened. You are here to provide detail. Start from the beginning. I don't care how well you tell it. Just tell it well and complete. You're one of my best spies. I trust your interpretation. An Urisk crouched in the corner of the chamber, holding a scriber's blade and several wax sheets. The small furred creature adjusted his spectacles and waited for Jahar to begin. Yes, chieftain cleared his throat. I procured the perfect blind from which to witness everything. No creature any wiser to my presence. Jahar paused, realizing the chieftain was not interested. <clears throat> it was quite a spectacle when the earthborn dragon... Savlo! Say the name, the chieftain ordered, nodding at the urus. <clears throat> yes, of course, Savlo. It was quite a spectacle when Savlo appeared in the arena with a troll at his side. Make a note that it was Savlo that insisted Ruckfell join him, the chieftain told the Urisk. The Urisk's deft hands moved in a blur as it recorded everything. He and Ruckfell had grown into quite a pair, I understand. Their training sessions didn't go unnoticed by the Dragonfolk. No. For weeks, rumors spread far about the dragon working with the troll. At the contest start, many called out taunts. Most just stared, bewildered. No foreign creature has ever been granted admittance. Did Ruckville remain at Savlo's side, in the arena, during the contest? The chieftain asked. No. He was escorted outside the arena wall. The arena itself is nearly the size of all troll land. All empty, stretched across a dead valley. Ruckfell sat alone at the base of the foothills bordering the arena. Each clan had their own territory. Fire, water, and wind, each had a territory filled with clan members. Even Savlo's father wasn't deemed worthy to sit in his son's area, since it was only for Earth people. I believe they were making a statement by hosting a troll in that section. A screech sounded and each champion was called to the center. The lords gave speeches for a dreadful length of time. Finally, the signal was given. Jahar stopped with a start, remembering an important detail. Shall I describe the champions individually? 
No, I've observed elemental warriors before. Jahar hesitated, not sure if the chieftain understood the grandeur of each champion. Far more magnificent than common dragons. The fireborn, muted blackness like charcoal, veins of glowing orange streaked from neck to talons, heat waves emitting from his skin. Waterborn, glimmering in the sunlight like a sea creature, lustrous colors rippling off sleek muscles. Scales that appeared transparent, but shined iridescent in the light. Windborn, wispy gray, seemingly light as a feather, but moving through the air with precision, wispy fronds of hair draping across the sleek body. The signal sounded. Fire and wind shot to the sky immediately, for they're the only two with flight. Waterborn chase after fireborn. Savlo backed away, assessing the battle. Fire shot streaks of flame at water. Their fight took them away from Savlo, leaving him alone with wind. A hiss of steam sounded from fire and water. Strafing one another, water galloped on the wind at an incredible speed while fire streaked across the sky. A difficult fight to ignore. Jahar broke off. As instructed, I focused my attention on Savlo. Wind rustled a gust from the sky and shot it at Savlo. Caught off guard, he tumbled. The crowd exploded into laughter and cheers. Savlo regained his balance and crept toward the windborne champion. Honestly, it was confusing at first. Explain. Savlo stepped mere inches while wind's currents grew more intense. The gusts collected and changed into something akin to a tornado. Debris gathered and flew at Savlo. He stopped his short strides and dug his claws into the ground. And Savlo didn't budge? The chieftain considered this. Probably something he and Ruckville had devised. I imagine so, because the currents changed. Stronger? No, they grew hazy. Savlo also changed. His scales shined with obsidian sharpness and I felt the air grew heavy, as if before a storm. Windborn's torrent continued to pummel on Savlo, but the fog increased. Savlo controlled water? How? No, not water. Instead, pebbles drifted toward the sky. I surmised that Savlo tried to throw the small rocks at Windborn. But it was no use. Wind simply kept the storm at bay a wing's length away. His confidence must have grown because he increased the currents. Where were Fireborn and Waterborn? Still a distance away, battling it out. By now, Savlo had created a sort of burrow in the tornado. There was a scattering of pebbles striking against his hide. Without warning, the first crackle spread across the sky. What happened? What spread across the sky? Lightning! Streaks multiplied. They danced from the ground and within Windborn's tornado. Thunder echoed across the arena. I watched Savlo closely. The lines of white fire danced around him, but never struck. Windborn didn't escape the lightning? The chieftain clapped. No, wind was stunned by several hits. He dropped and rolled across the valley floor, struggling to right himself. Brilliant! Yes, chieftain. Savlo, still covered in that shell, charged the drunk dragon. A 
Thinner Windborn never stood a chance. He killed him? No, I believe he struck harder than intended. Windborn went limp, and Savlo quickly called over the attending dragons. He even dragged the stricken dragon to safety. Is that when Savlo himself was struck down? No, but that was when it became clear that fire and water had plotted their little fight as a diversion. Suddenly the steam cleared and they both charged Savlo. What about wind in the attending dragons? They barely moved the limp Windborn's body away in time. Savlo scurried in the opposite direction, luring the attackers away. Selfless fool. Perhaps, but the maneuver was noticed by the crowd. I would guess that was the first shift. No laughter this time, just gasps and a few shouts berating fire and water. One or two dragons even urged Savlo on. A minor difference, but it was a noticeable change. Go on. Fireborn dove straight for Savlo while water raced on foot. Savlo turned to face them and stomped both forefeet to the ground. A wall of earth shot up just in time to block a barrage of flames. The crowd gasped. They probably never witnessed or imagined such a maneuver. Water countered quickly, spraying Savlo's shield, disintegrating it. Fire darted midair and pummeled Salvo with another barrage of fire. Savlo threw up another wall, and again water destroyed it. This went on for quite some time. Savlo moved with great energy. He even hurled the occasional rock at his attacker. Surely Ruckfell had a hand in preparing Savlo for this. Savlo did seem ready. Water sprung to the side and called something to fire, ordering a different approach. This solidified every suspicion that they plotted together. I learned later that this practice of pairing up is frowned upon. Why? Dragons have always been known for devious machinations. They say it lacks dignity in a contest that is a feat of individual strength. Ah. The chieftain sat up. Please, continue. Fire dropped in closer as water retreated farther back. A volley of brimstone rained down on Savlo and forced him toward the arena wall. The crowd in that area dispersed as the battle got dangerously close. Savlo changed directions immediately, but was bombarded. The brimstone was relentless. Where was Waterborne? I didn't see. Meanwhile, Savlo's scales changed again, but it was clear he struggled under the unbearable heat. He gasped for air. Fire added a stream of flames and fiery stones, which scorched the air. Just as he was strides away, Fireborn yelped and started pulling at his foot. Something, a, a type of binding, had wrapped around his ankle. He turned and shot his flame on the metal, probably hoping to melt it. Savlo pounded the ground and a wave of earth quickly swallowed fire. Waves of heat blurred the air surrounding the mound. Globs of lava dripped and fire's head poked outward toward freedom. Savlo piled on more earth, but fire had found a successful counterattack. Soon Fireborn's torso breached and water appeared and shot away from his mouth. The mound hardened. Water helped Savlo? Not necessarily. It was clear something was wrong. Fireborn had been incapacitated, but water continued to drown the dragon. 
Savlo retaliated by pounding the ground and shattered the mound covering fire. Really? He freed his enemy? Yes, and he must have done it just in time, because fire simply dropped, appearing to have drowned. But he didn't? No, the attendants intervened, and again, Savlo pulled the fight away. Even watching, I couldn't understand Savlo's selfless act. Again, he put himself in danger. I doubt you or I will ever be able to understand. Yes, sir. So, that left Savlo and water, the chieftain mumbled, staring blankly. The end is near. Yes, chieftain, Jahar hesitated. I'm sorry to deviate, but I must make it clear, even if Savlo had not helped the others, I truly believe the outcome would have been the same. If you believe so, the chieftain collapsed onto the couch. It is so, Jahar insisted. Continue, please. It went quickly. Savlo and Water circled one another, and then Savlo just stopped. At first I thought he was using the same strategy as he did against Wind, holding fast. But Water hadn't attacked. A dragon near my blindside revealed what happened. Water broke a sacred rule among the elemental warriors, an infraction far worse than plotting with another. Waterborn used Savlo's own water against him. What is this? What do you mean? Jahar pinched his own skin. Water, blood, saliva, all of it. The water we have running through us. Waterborn froze his body from the inside. His form expanded slightly, but the terrible creaking echoed across the arena. The crowd erupted in protest, but the leaders did nothing. Not caring about the fate of an Earthborn. Actually, it happened so fast, I don't think they knew what to do. No! The chief interrupted. They could have called off the contest right then. Don't you dare defend them. Jahar waited silently. The chieftain apologized. Sorry. Please, continue. He nodded. Savlo's body altered between several rock forms all at once. Sight was horrific. His father dashed into the arena, but was easily subdued by the royal guard. Cracks spread across Savlo's body as water strode closer, finishing the kill the dragon's icy breath encompassing Savlo. Jahar stopped, finding it hard to put one word after the next. Continue, the chieftain quietly ordered, but he did not turn to face the elf. He was so small out there. Maybe that's why no one saw him until it was too late. Jahar took a breath. Rockfell raced into the battle and appeared between the Waterborn and Savlo. The gust of ice breath slowed him, but he rolled forward and seized onto Waterborn's leg. Such an inconsequential move toward the dragon, but dire for the troll. The onslaught on Savlo wavered as water clawed at Rockfell. Rockfell didn't release his hold. His knife pierced at the dragon's talon without mercy. Finally, 
the Waterborne had to stop his attack on Savlo and focus on Ruckfell. All it took was one concentrated strike. Water tossed Ruckfell aside and charged. He was so small, Jahar muttered. Ruckfell stumbled, a gaping wound at his side, then grabbed a handful of dirt. He flung it, hitting water directly in the eye just as the dragon closed in. Ruckfell dove clear, barely avoiding the trample. Waterborne flinched and shook his head. The dragon roared a screech that chilled my veins as I remember it. His claw came at Ruckfell with amazing speed. This time, Ruckfell remained down. My son, the chieftain whispered, died bravely, Jahar quickly amended. It was quiet in the chamber. The Urisk's delicate hand had stopped. Please finish, the chieftain said, turning to face Jahar. Savlo had diamond eyes. The Earthborn had changed. He strode toward Ruckfell. His scales were a polished emerald. Water attacked, but to no avail. Nothing worked. Savlo cradled Ruckfell, turned his back to water, and started for the wall. The Waterborn continued attacking Savlo's back, but to no avail. Calling after Savlo, he bounced around in a show of protest. The crowd ignored the shameful dragon. I understand what they felt, the chieftain said. They sat quietly, confused as to what they were witnessing. Savlo roared and the arena wall crumbled to dust. He left. And he brought Ruckville home. Yes, to be taken back to Earth. The chieftain stepped forward and placed a hand on the elf's shoulder. Thank you. That will do. Jahar wanted to tell more, about the changes sweeping the land or the numerous tributes paid to Ruckfell, the legend of the troll that sacrificed his life to save an earthborn dragon warrior, the mightiest dragon. The Urisk spread out the wax sheets and cast a permanent spell. A sheen of luminescent light flickered across the papers as they transformed into bronze plates. Jahar quietly stepped away and left the chamber. He left the troll castle just as he had entered unseen. He stealthily kept the shadows, gliding down stairways, drifting through halls, sliding across cobblestones. Occasionally he would stop to eavesdrop. The Earthborn says there will be vengeance, a kitchen troll muttered. Good, the sound of a cleaver hitting the woodblock. Ah, uh, don't get your beard twisted in knots. The dragon says to wait. Wait for what, I'd like to know. The next was spoken as a whisper. I hear he plans to destroy the elementals. All of them? A scoff. No, not the dragons. The source. The dragon's magic? I doubt it. It's what I've heard. Many sleepless nights for their sorcerer. After exiting the kitchen, Jahar left by way of the fields. His strides were long and graceful as he flowed between the golden stalks. He sensed the laboring trolls nearby as reapers swung in the late afternoon sun. 
Jahar always disappeared just as they turned to look his way. He found Savlo near the base of a foothill, facing the borderland. The dragon sat on his hind legs, his back rigid. For several heartbeats, Jahar watched the magnificent warrior. His scales gleamed emerald. His powerful form shook the soul, provoking dread. But his diamond eyes engendered compassion as he glanced across the earthen valley. It is worth mentioning, dear listener, that Doug's story was the first place winner of the Here There Be Dragons writing contest, and you can no doubt see why we grabbed it during our previous call for story submissions. We'll be announcing another one of those in the coming weeks, by the way. Stay tuned for details. Links to the author's and narrator's websites are available in the show notes for this episode. My thanks go to Gary Dowell, my editor, and Mark Zanfardino, our sound engineer, for their patience and forgiveness of my... <clears throat> vocal proclivities. And of course to you, dear listeners, for putting up with my decidedly dodgy voice this week. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. We love hearing from our listeners, and we want to know your thoughts on our content. As always, please leave us a review on iTunes or any other podcatchers so that we can build our listenership and keep the stories flowing. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but don't change it or sell it. And be sure to give credit where credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors. Violators will be thrown into the middle of a dragon fight. I'm off to go and make myself yet another cup of ginger and honey tea. I'll see you all next week. By now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.